So how many of you remember learning to do something that you knew was impossible? You know, like driving? You know, for some people it feels impossible. You, you remember trying to figure out clutch control and, 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 you, and for so many people it's just like, I will never be able to do this. And then three years later, you're doing it and you're not even thinking about it. Uh, I remember learning to whistle. <laughs> I remember sitting in standard class in standard three at my desk, trying to <laughs> and not getting it right. And then all of a sudden in the middle of class, <laughs> and I got into trouble. But that, that feeling of learning something and you just, you think it's impossible to do and yet somehow you learn it. Of course, in those situations, it's always somebody who just knows how to do it and they just make it much worse because, ah, it's easy. Well, the truth is, some things are easy for some people and incredibly difficult for others. The truth is that it's not only impossible or things physically that we think are impossible that we can, in fact, learn to do, but that's a spiritual reality as well. That there are things in our spiritual lives that we have deemed impossible. And yet, God calls us and asks us to do them. So we're in week three of a series called God Spaces. Um, and it's focusing on what has become known as spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. And, and we've really purposely wanted to kind of shift away from that word discipline because of its negative connotation and, and, and talk about God's spaces. And uh, if you haven't been able to watch for the last two weeks, please do so. Uh, Richard has given us a fantastic intro into this world of God's spaces. And the reason I start where I start today is today... Um, we want to get really practical. We want to start talking about specific, a specific God space. But so often, my experience as a pastor is in having conversations with people about certain spiritual things that they've tried to do. They say to me, it's impossible. Uh, I remember doing it myself. I can remember being taught about the spiritual space and discipline of silence and going, <laughs> not me, not with my personality. It is impossible. Until I was in a place where I desperately needed it. And I went on an eight-day silent retreat. And it was life-changing. And God spoke to me. And now I can do the impossible. Perhaps more than any other, I hear this. When we talk to people about fasting, people say to me, John, I'd love to do it, but I just can't. It's impossible. I've tried, tried tons of times, and I just can't. I give up straight away. Well, I want to tell you this. It's not impossible, and you can. It's like driving, though. It's not easy. It takes practice, it takes instruction, it takes genuine desire to learn 
but it is not impossible. In fact, it can't be impossible because it's something that Jesus tells us we should do. Well, to be fair, he doesn't actually instruct us to fast, but he speaks about fasting in the same way he speaks about prayer that it is something that we as followers of Jesus, of course, are going to do. And so while we may not be able to say, you see, Jesus said, you must do it. Jesus assumes that because we're his followers, one of our spiritual practices, one of our God spaces is fasting. And I know that for most of us, it's something we kind of get forced maybe by the church to do at the beginning of the year when we have our week of prayer and fasting. But honestly, guys, it's so much more than that. It is so much more. And so I want to start off by challenging you to do the impossible. Why should you do it? Well, you should do it because Jesus assumes that you as a follower are going to do it. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 17. But when you fast. So he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to a whole lot of people that are around him. He's giving all sorts of instructions about all sorts of things. And uh, he's really, well, we'll get to what he's really doing in a moment. But in the middle of that sentence, he says this. But when you fast, and then he goes on to say a whole lot of things about fasting. But it's not only Jesus who assumes we're going to fast, Jesus who makes fasting something that that all his followers should do. The Bible itself is full of fasts. So if you go to the Old Testament, you, you can read hundreds of stories about individual fasts and about corporate fasts. Um, the people of Israel were instructed to have an, a fast once a year. Um, they grew it to be more and more than that, but, but the Old Testament... And you know what? This, these sermons are about spiritual disciplines and God's spaces. So sometimes I'm going to refer to something that the Bible says, but I'm not actually going to give you the address, because I'd love you to go and look for it for yourself as part of one of your God's spaces. And so the Old Testament is full of not only God's people as a whole fasting, but people like Daniel, who who had a very particular kind of fast, and and you could read about that if you go to the book of Daniel. Esther, who who along with her, her servants and her uncle and a whole lot of other people had a total fast. Um, And so the Old Testament, the New Testament, the disciples fasted um, after Jesus left them. Jesus himself went into the desert to fast, to be tempted by the devil. And so it is obvious. It's almost one of those things that that we shouldn't have to say, must we do it? It's just one of those things that we should say, how do we do it? And so that's going to be the focus of what I want to say for the rest of the time we're together today. This is about how we get over what we think is impossible and begin to do it the way God would love us to do it. So I want to focus, do that by focusing on some of the things I think make fasting impossible 
or some of the things that lead us to, to say those words, it's impossible. And, and what's great about this is that it's not just about fasting. It can be about a whole lot of other spiritual practices and God spaces. But fasting is a great example. And so the first big reason that, that we find God spaces sometimes impossible is that we make those God spaces about ourselves. That somehow we, we turn what is something that is meant to, to point us to God and draw us to God and grow our relationship with God, we make it about ourselves. In fact, that's the big warning Jesus is giving um, in Matthew chapter 6, that passage that I read earlier. Let's just read a little bit back. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so, so Jesus is, is saying, now I'm going to talk to you about a bunch of acts of righteousness. And he goes on to talk about fasting. He talks about um, the, the spiritual practice of giving, um, sacrificial giving. And he talks about the spiritual practice of prayer. And he says, the number one issue we have with these God spaces is we make them about ourselves. And, and he was pointing to the obvious um, thing that he was seeing around him with the Pharisees where, where they were doing these things in front of people in a big display so that people would, would see how wonderful they were. Some people even make this instruction to secrecy about themselves and they turn it into a super secret thing that they do. And, and, and sometimes they even manipulate other people by sharing the secret with them. The two faults are the same. It's all about me. And so Jesus says, if you're going to make a spiritual practice about yourself, it will be impossible. Because it is never about you. It's about your relationship with God and who God is. And he goes on to say this in, in verse 16 of that first chapter. When you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who's unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so often we fail and make a thing impossible because we make it about ourselves rather than about seeking God. Sometimes we make it about ourselves in our minds and our spirits, like the examples in this passage. And sometimes we make a thing like fasting about our own bodies. So for example, people who fast in order to lose weight. Now, now, Trust me, there's nothing wrong with doing a good, proper fast in order to promote your own health. And one of the consequences of good fasting is good health. But that's not why we do it. And, and sadly, I've even seen Christian books written around the whole thing, that somehow the side benefit of fasting is the spiritual one, and the main benefit is our bodies. That's not why we fast. We fast so that we can... We can deny our bodies so that we can remind our bodies of the reality of what Jesus says, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. 
And so again, we make it impossible because we make it about ourselves. There's a second thing that happens with fasting that makes it impossible, is that we make it about legalism. I can't tell you how many people become incredibly anxious when the church calls for a fast because they're on medication or because they, they have underlying health issues. And, and somehow they think that, that if they don't keep to the rules that somebody else has laid down, somehow God is going to overlook their sacrifice. Folks, honestly believe those kinds of questions so often have their root in legalism. And, and sadly, the church and, and other religious institutions have used fasting as a legalistic tool. They've used it to control and manipulate people. And, and, and somehow we inherit that legalistic mindset. Instead of embracing the call to a fast and saying, well, for good, real reasons, I can't not eat. Again, like I said, pregnant or, or underlying health issues or medication. Well, that's okay. Because this isn't about me keeping a rule. This is about me giving something up in order to, to make space for God in my life. And so you're not breaking a fast if you, if you decide you're going to fast something else. In fact, the Bible talks about alternative fasts other than fasts from food. But sadly, legalism has turned fasting into something we say is impossible. That's why those Pharisees used to walk around and display to people that they were fasting. Because so many of them were saying, well, you see, you can't do this, and I can. And so people bought into that legalism, and they said, I can't do it, because I can't keep every letter of this law. And we make fasting impossible. Again and again, Jesus says that laws are meant to point people to him, not separate people from him. God made us to connect with him. Yes, there are rules, but there are rules that point us to who God is and how he wants us to live rather than creating barriers between us and God. Sometimes, I think like fasting becomes impossible because we believe what society says to us about food. Sadly, we live in a world that is, for most of us, where food is the opposite of a problem of lack. For many people in the world, food is a real issue of daily hunger. But for me, and for most of us, there is too much of it available. I discovered something very really disturbing recently, uh, that in the United States, um, there are twice as many calories available to every human being as what human beings need. Average human being needs about 2,000 calories a day. Every single day in the United States, there are 4,000 calories available for everybody. Food has become a massive political and social problem in our world. And Please don't think that this is about being anti-food. Remember, we started the series about talking about a banquet. God is inviting us to something amazing. But unfortunately, we bought into this idea that if we miss one meal, we are going to die of hunger. 
We've bought into this idea that we should be able to fulfill all our needs immediately. And I want to confess to you that, that it's one of my biggest challenges. I'm terrible with impulse eating. I just am. I love food. And, and, and I have to remind myself that this is something that God wants me to enjoy rather than something God wants me to, to be ruled by. And so the society we live in and the things it says about food feels like it's impossible for us to fast. But it can't be impossible because Jesus wants us to do it. And so I want to invite you. It may be fasting. It may be one of the other God spaces. I want you to commit to a journey that says, I'm going I'm to try this. It feels impossible, but, but God wants me to be there. And I want you to start, I hope, by helping you change your mind about something. On Sunday, when I was, two Sundays ago, when I was listening to Richard preach, the single biggest thing that struck me is that when God invites us to a spiritual discipline, when God invites us to a God space, whether it's prayer or study or, or fasting or whatever it is, and there's that whole long list. He's not inviting us to something where there's lack. He's inviting us to a banquet. He's inviting us to a place of plenty, a, a massive celebration. And, and so for me, that's been my single biggest mindset change that I've had to, to, to learn, is that when God invites me to fast, when God invites me to give up something in order to pray, when God invites me to give up something in order to study his word or to practice simplicity or practice generosity, when he's asking me to give up something in order to do that, he's offering me more, much, much, much more than I could ever give up. And so I, I want to invite you to begin this journey of acknowledging that God is inviting us to a banquet. I really want you to go back and listen to the other two sermons, please. It's not hard. Because there Richard reminds us of the pitfalls and what stops us. The sermon is about inviting you and saying to you, when you fast, when you pray, when you study God's word, when you practice simplicity, when you practice generosity, when you practice community, don't stop because it feels impossible. It isn't. It's a banquet that God is inviting you to. But you have to learn it. You have to practice it. You have to get a community around you and other believers around you and amazing resources that we have. And you know what? We will discover what generations of Christians before us have discovered. That there is a, a mysterious and intangible richness that comes when we begin to say, God, you offer me these intimate spaces and I'm going to step into them and I'm going to persevere in them, and I'm not going to give up. And I'm going to learn 
ways of connecting with you so that my spiritual journey isn't, like Richard said in that first sermon, massive in the morning and nothing at night. But that throughout the day, God and, and, and you and I are in conversation. And our whole world is shaped around more from God in order that we can give more and be more and love more and serve more. So let me remind you, folks, when you fast, make it about God and not about yourself. Know that God will teach you to do the impossible. God, thank you for creating spaces for us to step into. Thank you for creating places where you will meet us in your word, in prayer, around an empty table with our friends, with our neighbours. Lord, thank you that we don't need particular places to do these things, that we can, we can step into God's spaces wherever we are and whenever we are. Lord, teach us to do the impossible. Forgive me for so often just giving up because it's hard. Help us to be true followers of Jesus that are willing to take up our cross, even if it's incredibly hard, and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.